You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going through the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, we're uh, finishing up Hebrews 3 and uh, taking a big chunk of Hebrews 4 today as well. Hebrews at the end of your Bible, not the very end, but pretty deep in there. Uh, so like I like to show you via my Bible. So this is everything before Hebrews, and this is everything after Hebrews, including the maps and the concordance and everything. There's not a whole lot back there, um, so, so you can find it um, tucked in there after all Paul's letters. But, but Hebrews is a, is a good book. We're not sure who wrote it, um, but we do know uh, that, that God ultimately inspired it to be written and has preserved it for us today, and so we celebrate um, that fact Today, uh, as I was looking through this passage, the end of, uh, like I said, the end of chapter three, and then a, a big chunk of chapter four, uh, the thing that uh, came just driving home to me uh, was this concept of rest. Um, the Bible speaks a lot about rest. In fact, it speaks more about rest than you probably realize. You know, the, at the very beginning, when God created the world, right, He did six days, uh, made everything that is, and then on the seventh day. God rested. That's Genesis 1, right? At the very beginning, rest is included in the story. Then we go fast forward um, after the fall and and, and man has has eaten the fruit and God is giving out the punishments, right? And the serpent's got to writhe on the ground and be hated by people and the woman's going to have pain and childbirth. And he goes to the man and he says, and you will have work uh, for the rest of your life. And the idea was like, by the, by the sweat of your brow, the land will give you food. What was easy to get food, the work was easy. Now it's going to be toilsome work, and there will be no rest from your work. Right? You're going to go, and every day it's going to be hard work to be able to get what you need to just survive to the next day. So, so this toilsome work, the opposite of rest, is the punishment for mankind. And then you fast forward just a few years later, and we have this man named Noah that appears. And Noah's name literally means rest. And when he was given, when, when, when he was born, his father, uh, Lamech, I think is Noah's father, though it may be, I feel like that was one of his, yeah, all right, either way. His father, when speaking uh, uh, of Noah, basically said, may he be the one that brings us rest, right? May, 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 may this be the one that the prophesied one from Genesis uh, you know, 3.15, 3.16, uh, where there's going to be one who's going to smash the head of the serpent and break the curse. May this one be that one to give us rest. But Noah wasn't the one to give us rest. And work continued and toilsome work continued. And the people were out wandering in the wilderness after the book of Exodus. Uh, and they were out wandering and wandering and wandering. For 40 years they wandered with no rest, right? They would go and they would lodge for a while, and then they would up and have to go somewhere else. And there was this concept all throughout there that rest was what was sought for, right? That there was a, a rest that was sought for. And if they would get to Canaan, if they could get to the promised land, if they could take possession of the land, then they would experience rest. But, but, but for that generation, they never got there. And in fact, rest wasn't realized fully until Jesus came and did what Lamech hoped Noah would do, which is to crush the head of the serpent. And Hebrews talks about this concept of rest, this great reward that we have in life. And we're going to pick up in verse 7 
of Hebrews chapter 3. The author of Hebrews says, uh, quoting uh, from, the, from the Old Testament, says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they will always or they always go astray in their heart they have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest take care brothers lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all of those who left Egypt led by Moses and with whom he was provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So, so he begins writing, and he, and he hearkens back to the story of the Exodus. And the way the story of the Exodus was supposed to go, if they had followed God's commands, is they would have part, departed via the Red Sea. They would have wandered in a fairly straight path to the edge of Canaan. And then 12 spies would enter the land and spy it out. And that's exactly what happened. They went relatively directly to Canaan. Twelve spies went over the Jordan River and spied out the land. But ten of the twelve came back and said, this is not a fight we want. All right, this is not the fight that we want to be in right now. In fact, if we go there, we will surely die. The people are massive. Yes, the land is good. Yes, the food is wonderful. Yes, it's pleasant and it'll be a perfect place to live. But there's already people there and they're bigger and stronger than us. And they have big walls and we can't beat them. We can't take their land. And even though God says to go, we're not going to do it. A couple other people were dissenting voices in that. Uh, that would be Joshua and Caleb. Uh, but everyone else was kind of unified in their opposition to taking uh, the, the land that God had promised to them, hence the word promised land. And they were opposed to taking it even though God had just walked them out of Egypt with the wealth of the Egyptians, even though God had just parted the Red Sea, a work of tremendous power, and God had protected them from, from the dangers of the Egyptian army that was chasing them. Even after all that, they got there and they said, we can't win this fight. It's not one that we want to do. We cannot win. And so they chose to rebel. And for 40 years, because of this decision made over the course of 10 spies' negative reports, for 40 years, God waited for that generation to die. And they just wandered in circles. If you have maps in your Bible, that's one of my favorite maps in the Bible that, that you get. I guess they come from Moody, where the maps are, most of your Bibles. But there's like the wilderness wanderings, and it's like here they get here, they cross the Red Sea, then they go over here, and then it's just kind of this. <laughs> just a little circle out in the middle of nowhere, like wandering around the Negev, Saudi Arabia. By the way, I mean, we've seen pictures of Saudi Arabia. It looks beautiful. I mean, I'm sure we'd all want to spend... 40 years wandering around that, uh, that, that, that environment. And they're just kind of wandering in circles out there, waiting 
uh, for everyone who was of age to die. And that's literally what they're doing. They're waiting for all of those people who were opposed to going in to die because God said, you will not get your rest because you have disobeyed what I've commanded you. Right, this promised rest that God was going to give them, he said, you will never taste it. You will never experience it because you have heard what I said and you have chosen to rebel. Right, you've heard, you've seen, you've witnessed, and then you chose to rebel. And this, there's, there's truth here, guys. If you want to experience uh, the rest of God, which is a tremendous blessing, right, on this side and then in eternity as well, we cannot be rebellious and disobedient. We have to listen and obey, right? And so when God says, take that hill, we take that hill. In fact, that story doesn't end with everyone dying. It ends with everyone dying from that generation except for those two spies who are now well advanced in years and no longer like youthful people running around. They're 60, 70, 80 years old. And then they cross the Jordan River and God, and God has told them to take that land. And Caleb, now a man of well advanced years, takes a mountain. Like people living on the mountain. He's like, I'm taking it. Because he heard what God had said and God said, that is yours. I have given it to you for your inheritance. And Caleb says, awesome, I'm going to go take it. Joshua leads the entire nation on battle after battle after battle after battle, conquering as he goes because he listened and obeyed. And at the end of it, right, right, there was the idea that, that rest would come for the people. There would be a time after the warfare was done, after the wars were fought, that rest would come for them. Guys, we need to listen to what God says. We need to hear what God says. And then we need to not rebel against what God says. Failure to, to, to hear and to heed what God says leads to divine consequences. And I don't know like, how you view like, God's power, but I do not want to be on the other side of God's power. Right? I don't want to be on the side where I'm like, let's invite God's wrath and just see how heavy that is. Like, let's see how bad it gets when God's truly frustrated and angry with me for disobeying. And so when we read God's word, right, when God's word is presented to us, when, when God has spoken to us and he tells us what to do, guys, we must obey what it says. Right? Do what the word says because the word is good. And then we have the responsibility to exhort and encourage one another to faithfulness, right? That's one of our jobs as brothers and sisters in Christ. I love the family concept of church is to come along and say, hey, you need to do better. Like, let's work to do better. Let's encourage one another. As long as it's called today, the author of Hebrews says, it says, exhort one another towards faithfulness, away from rebellion and towards faithfulness. And the church should be a place where that encouragement happens, where that exhortation happens, where we're consistently pressing one another to something better than where we are right now. And I want to encourage you today, guys, as God speaks to you through His Word, to listen and obey. And there are consequences for that. You may have temporary consequences, temporal consequences on this earth that, that you will experience for righteous living. But it is worth it to listen and obey, because if you don't, you will never enter that 
rest. Continuing on into chapter 4, he says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, even for us today, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard didn't benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested uh, on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they will not enter my rest. Therefore, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of the disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day as today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did. From his, And so there's a lot of words, there's a lot going on here. But what he's saying is, look, the rest that, that some people have failed to receive, like it's still available to you now. This wasn't a promise that was fully fulfilled under Joshua's leadership as they took Canaan. right? It wasn't a promise that was fulfilled after the wicked generation, the disobedient generation, ended up dying in the wilderness. This is a promise that God is still extending today to those who would hear God's word. Right, to those of us who have received God's word, there's still the promise of rest. And if you're like me, sometimes rest is all that you want. You know, Sunday afternoon is, is, is my day to rest. And I don't know what it is about Sunday afternoons for some people. They really think the pastor wants to text at like 1.30 p.m. And I'll tell you what the pastor wants to be doing at 1.30 p.m. Just so you know. He wants to be passed out. That's what he wants to be doing. Right, because like, I, I get spent. It's weird that like, the exhaustion from preaching is, a, is an odd exhaustion. I don't know why it is. But I get spent from preaching. Right? You just want rest. Right? And some of you have experienced that. You've just been going and going and going. You're burning the candle at both ends. Right? If you have young children or you've got teenagers, and young children is a different type of tired. Like you're exhausted with young kids. But you get teenagers and you're just running the roads like nonstop. And then living in Rockdale, you're running 60 miles every day somewhere, 60 miles every day. My wife, who's departed, so good, I can talk about her freely. Um, like, like, I went and bought tires for my wife's van, and then like six months later, they were wore out. And I go to the tire place, and I'm like, I got some bad tires. What is wrong with these tires? And they said, well, they've got 80,000 miles on them. And I said, oh, well, that would probably be the reason right there. Yeah, that makes sense now. Because, you know, they mark when they put them on. I, I didn't mark, like, oh, this tires went on at 100,000 miles. No, she just drove. I don't know where she went. Right? But teenagers, nonstop teenagers, nonstop. You know, we see Brian, Temple, Hutto, five times a week it feels like, just always. Burn. And so it's a different type of tired as they get older. Right? And I don't know the exhaustion that you grandparents and, and people who've gone through raised your kids and experienced the other side, but I bet it's pretty tiring for y'all. Right? Like rest is this promised gift, and sometimes it's just the thing that we just long for. Right? And it's promised to, to every single person today if you would hear God's voice. It's not even a future promise that, that, that's going to be fully realized only in the future. Like you can realize some of that today as you heed and listen to God's voice. Today is the day to enter into 
that rest, to begin the process of entering into that rest. It starts, by the way, with this relationship with Jesus Christ, right? There is no rest when you're living in direct contradiction to what God has done through Christ. And so to put away your disobedience and your wickedness and your sin, and then to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ is the beginning of inheriting that rest. And that is the message, right, of the entire New Testament, right, that that we can have uh, Christ's righteousness imputed to us and our sins will not be counted against us. And therefore, because those things are no longer counted against us, we inherit what Christ has promised. Right, I, I, there's these cemeteries. Sometimes you'll just see a cemetery. You drive by and it's called like something's rest. Right, have you seen this before? You're just driving out in the middle of nowhere. And instead of being like funeral cemetery or graveyard or whatever, it's just like something's rest. And I, I love it. Right, the idea is like, you know, we get a point and, and like they, they've inherited that fullness of that rest. But you can experience that a little bit today. You can have a piece of that. It, like many of the, the promises of God's word We inherit it now. We fully experience it uh, in the future. But rest comes to those who would hear and obey. This this promised Sabbath rest exists for you today to inherit. So I want to tell you that today is a good day to listen to what God is saying to you. Right? Don't wait for tomorrow or the next day. You know, I deal with this when I deal with my teenagers sometimes, and I'm like, when are you going to stop being an idiot? This is Parenting 101, by the way. I'll write a book about it one day. When are you going to stop? This is like the 19th time we've gotten on to you about this. When are you going to stop doing this specific thing? That always leads to this specific consequence, right? Like, like we try to be consistent on that. When are you going to stop doing this so, so that you stop getting this? And the end, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to You don't know, right? And I'm like, I guess you don't know. But it would be nice if it was today. Like if today you said, you know what? I'm going to stop doing that. And that's got to be how God feels about us sometimes, right? Like sometimes God's got to be looking at me and be like, Matt, when are you going to stop being an idiot? And I'll be like, I don't know, maybe today. And he's like, yes, today, Matt, stop being an idiot. That thing that you do that you know and you just keep, stop today. Today's a good day, Matt, to stop being an idiot. And I'm pretty sure that frustration level is probably exists for each one of us today. And we read God's word and we hear God's word preached or we, we, and it, God convicts us through the Holy Spirit. And we're like, yeah, I know I'm going to do that. But then we, we turn again away from that. Right? We turn away from God's, God's promises and we, and we disobey. And then we wonder why our life is full of conflict and stress and strain. Why sleep has escaped us. Right? Some of you have a hard time sleeping. And I don't know, it could be a chemical thing, maybe you need to see a doctor. But some of you have a hard time sleeping because you're choosing to live an act of rebellion to what God has put before you. Right? God has told you what it takes to live a righteous life. God has told you what it is where you're falling short of what he wants to do. And you're wondering why sleep is departing your eyes. It's because you're not listening. Today. Today's a good day to do that. In fact, the fact that we have today, I got a a text message, uh, uh, Roel Johnson, the pastor at Rising Star, sends me a text every Sunday morning. Maybe the highlight uh, of my week is it's just like, hey, go get it, right? But it's like, it's a whole paragraph telling me, go get it. And like, the, the, it was like, it's like God has blessed us with another month. That was this, this morning, right? We have made it to another month. Go get it. Don't waste this one, right? You've got another month. This is month of October, right? It feels weird because it's still like 90-ish out there. Like, God has given it to us. 
right? So let's go get it. Let's, like today, let's seize this opportunity. Let's take care of this opportunity God's before us, before, put before us today, right? Because we don't, we don't know. Like, we don't know if we're going to get November. Like, you, you don't know. You think you know. Like, you got plans for Thanksgiving. But God does not care about your plans for Thanksgiving, right? I'm driving down the freeway yesterday, coming back from Dallas. We were burning the roads up, right, because it was a volleyball tournament. We were, uh, I guess we hadn't made it to Waco yet, somewhere between Waco and Hillsboro. Man, they had 35 South shut off. They were turning big rigs backwards up the feeder road to go back over there because there was a helicopter on the highway and something had gone wrong. That person thought they were going to November. They may not get, I don't know, I don't know if they passed, I don't know what happened. I mean, I saw a motorcycle laid on the ground, and then I was like, I gotta go. Something bad happened on that highway. Yes, yeah, something bad happens on that highway every day. They all think they get November. We don't know. We got today. So today is a good day to heed what God is telling you to do. Today is a good day to live a righteous life. Today is a good day to begin to pursue after the rest that God has already given to you if you would but believe and if you would but obey. Right? Hear and obey today. There's rest for you on the other side of it. Let me finish up here in verse 11 through 13. It says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Look, your disobedience may not be apparent to me. Like, I'm your pastor, and most of you at least try, at least try to be on good behavior around me. Right? It's one of, one of my favorite things. Like, I'm with someone, and then, like, they slip, like, into whatever they're normally like. And they're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I didn't mean to say that. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I mean, you did mean to say that, obviously, right? But you didn't mean to say it in front of me, right? Because, like, we try to curate our lives or to present ourselves in certain situations in a certain way, right? Pastors are very guilty of that. Like, I want you, like, I, I try to tell you all that I'm messed up, but I don't really want you to know how messed up, right? I try to give you a somewhat curated view of myself. Here's kind of what I look like. Here's kind of things I struggle with so we can identify, but I don't really want you to know everything back there. I'm going to portray myself in a special way. And you may never know the difference. I may never know the difference. I'm not in your house. I don't see how you talk to your children, how you talk to your dog. I don't, I don't see any of that. I don't talk to my dog, so I'm good there, right? right? <laughs> but I don't see how you, how you talk to your kids. I don't see how you talk to your spouse. I don't see how you handle yourself in business, whether or not you're, you're honest in your dealings with her. I don't review your taxes to see whether or not everything that you've made is actually showing up on the form. Right? I don't, I don't do any of that. But you know what? God sees everything. Like the things that you can hide from me, the things I can hide from you, the things that we can hide from each other, and we think like, oh, we're pretty good. Right? Because at least we're not showing up on the police blotter. Like, we, we're pretty good. I don't show up in the grand jury report that Charlie McGregor posts. That's always good, by the way. I read those, the grand jury bills, just to see if any of you are on there. I do. I do. Some people check the jail log, like regularly look to see who's actually in the jail. 
I don't do that. But I do read the grand jury report to see if I got any people who are about to be going through some stuff that I need to know about. Right? And you're like, hey, I didn't show up on that. At least I'm not that guy, right? Look at that guy over there. He's got this, that, and the other. Right? And we're like, man, I'm so good. But, but God sees it all. Like, he, he doesn't just see how you treat other people or how you treat your dog. Like, he sees, he sees what you think. Like, the word of God pierces, like, deep. It's not just like a surface, like, we're going we're gonna to kind of, like, you know, shave your arm. Like, God, he figures out exactly what's going on inside of you. Your intentions. And that's scary to me to some degree, right? Like, because I, I want to do the right thing, and I even want to do the right thing for the right reasons, I think. But sometimes I don't even know why I do some of the right things that I do. Like my intentions can be somewhat clouded and, and, and muddled. Guys, it, the, the reason this is included in here, the reason this, this passage is here, is God's like, everything you do, everything you think, like it's fully exposed to God. And so when God is telling you to live a righteous life and to, and to walk away from disobedience and to obey, like it, it's not just can you fool the pastor. Because I'm not the judge. Like, God is not asking me for my opinion of your character at the trial that goes on inside of heaven. It's not like, you know, the defense attorney calls your pastor, and I'm like, well, I've always known this person to be responsible, respectful, their church attendance, you know, they're there 50 weeks out of a year, right? They, 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 they participate in Sunday school, they go to a small group, seem upright, have nice children. God, I really think this person should enter. God doesn't need my testimony about you because he already knows you. And I mean knows you, not like I know you. He knows you. And so when he stands up and he begins to testify about you, there's nothing hidden. There's nothing unknown. It's all there. And so this promised rest, right, that comes with, with an obedient life and a life that's surrendered to Jesus... Right, like God is like, like, be true all the way in. Not just outward obedience. Right, not just this idea of like, I can fake it because I have to. But, but inside of yourselves to be compelled by what the Holy Spirit is doing and to live faithfully out what God has put on you. And you know, your obedience is going to look different than mine because God has called you to something different than he's called me. Like, we're all called to believe in Jesus for salvation. There's all that call, this initial call, exists for all of us. But beyond that, what it is that God is asking you to do, your specific role in the kingdom of God is special and unique. And I can't fill your role. And I think there's been like a, I don't know if it's a generational shift or it's always been, but I noticed it whenever I was a teenager that all of a sudden, I'm going I'm to talk about parents and youth because it's an area that's easy for me to talk about, but it, it goes beyond that. Where parents started looking at the church and saying the church is going to be able to, to spit out faithful followers of Christ. And so they paid people like myself to be a youth pastor. And they said, we're going to pay you to do the work of spiritual development for my 15-year-old daughter. We want you to develop her and to make her into a Christ follower. And the parents abdicated what God has already commanded them to do. If you're a parent here, there's a, there's, a, there's a specific command to you to disciple your child. I mean, go read Deuteronomy 6. It's in there. Right? It tells you what your responsibility is as a parent to be the disciple of your child. Right? As you walk down the road teaching them the things that God has commanded. Like it's a daily encounter as a parent. But for some reason they abdicated that. And I don't think they just abdicated it in youth ministry. 
Or there was this idea of the professionalization of the church. And we're going to pay this pastor, we're going to pay this person, we're going to pay this person, we're going to pay this person. Once we pay all these people, that's your only participation in God's kingdom. Like, did you fill up the plate? We don't even pass the plates. By the way, there are boxes. I didn't mention that. <laughs> right? right? But we're going to fill up the boxes. And if we fill up the boxes, then we've done what God has asked us to do because we can pay people to do the work of evangelism, to do the work of discipleship, to do the work uh, of teaching everyone to obey what Christ commanded me. And I'm going to tell you, that is not it. Right? The Great Commission is not, go ye therefore into all worlds, making a lot of money so we can pay professional pastorate. It's not it. Right? It's you Go, empowered by the Son who will be with you all the way along the way, teaching, baptizing, right, discipling. It's a personal command, and a lot of you, you don't see that, or I don't know, that's unfair. Many people don't see that, and they think that it's someone else's responsibility. And I'm going to tell you, your role in the kingdom of God is to fulfill the great commission where God has placed you. At your job, in your family, at your address, in your community, with the people that God has put around you. And no amount of professional outsourcing is going to accomplish that task. Because I can't be you, nor does God want me to be. You know what my job is? It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. My job is to equip you so that you feel confident to go do the work of ministry. If you don't feel confident to do the work of ministry, my job is to continue to equip you. At some point, you just got to go, though. You've got to choose to go and start doing the work of ministry for you. Guys, guys, everything is going to be exposed. God's word exposes our disobedience and it's seen fully out there. And because of that, guys, uh, we, have to, we have to recognize that, that we have to be true to our convictions. And to live those out and not just to put up a facade that's fake in front of us. Right? Ultimately, rest, the rest that comes there, it comes for the obedient daily. Today is a good day to experience the rest that God has for the obedient. Which means there's two things that you might need to do today. First thing you might need to do is you might need to begin your relationship with Jesus Christ. You may say, I've never, I've never even come to the point where I've surrendered my own goals and ambitions and dreams for what God wants. Right. So that's the first thing you might have to do. The second thing, though, is you might need to obey what God has already told you to do. Obey what God told you to do. I don't, know, I don't know everything God has specifically commanded you to do. But I do know like, specifically what the Bible commands us to do. And for some of us, like, we're just living in outright, dis, outright disobedience to the written, revealed word of God. Others of us, we're living in disobedience to God's special, revealed will to you personally, what your responsibility is in your environment that God has put you. But I want you to experience the rest that God has for you. Or there's something about when you get to heaven or when you face God and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, like to have that professed over you. Right? Enter. Right? Enter into my rest. Let's be faithful today. Let's be faithful with what God has put before us today because there's rest coming for the faithful and the obedient. Let me pray.